or I mean, I grew up Pentecostal, right? The hands raise at just the right time when the chorus hits or that bridge is climaxing just perfectly, right? It's a performance. And I think one of the- Or is your hand raising your, your tears, your utterance in tongues to be seen by those around you as spiritual. Well, this week we are moving on with our discussions of the divine conspiracy and we are in chapter six now. Um, I'm going to recap just a little bit of what we've been talking about in the past couple of chapters. Chapter four was when Willard finally got into the Sermon on the Mount itself, talking about the Beatitudes. And it's not that these Beatitudes are a state that is necessarily desirable by the Christian, but it is the fact that because the kingdom comes upon you, your state will change. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit for there is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the uh, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Right? So it's a progression. It's a movement in these states of being. And then as we got into chapter five, uh, we also got in chapter five of Matthew talking about Jesus giving, being a new Moses. He is uh, giving the law. You've heard it said, but I say to you, um, and much of this discussion was about how these, this, especially this part, um, needs to be taken as a progression about how you cannot be the kind of person that loves your enemy and forgives those who do wrong to you and blesses those who spit upon you. If you do not first get rid of your anger, your contempt, your lust, if you do not take your oaths seriously, if your yes is not yes and your no is not no, then you, you cannot in any imaginable world become the kind of person who will love your enemies. And so, and, much, and so with much of that, it is not that Jesus is, is trying to be harsh on us, but he's trying to reveal to us the reality of our own hearts and the reality that when the kingdom comes upon you, your state will change. And the vision is that you will become someone who bears the fruit of the kingdom. So you will naturally, you will naturally fulfill these laws, these commands that Jesus has given. And so we move on now to um, chapter six of the divine conspiracy and chapter six of Matthew, as Jesus will talk about the traps of reputation and wealth. And so let us begin with a reading from the scriptures. Uh, we'll start with the passage from Matthew. Um, Daniel, I'll go ahead and read this one, and then uh, you can go ahead and read our passage on uh, John. All right. And so today is going to be most likely two to three part. I haven't split it up yet, obviously, recording um, of episodes on this chapter. We're going to first talk about um, 
reputation and how that has to do with our fasting and our prayers, as Jesus will tell us about here. And then in the next episode, we will talk about wealth and its trappings and how uh, we become less giving when we're wealthy or we do it for the wrong reasons. So here we go. Matthew chapter 6, start in verse 1. Keep in mind this first sentence here. It is a motif Jesus uses throughout this section. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up two phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for the many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our heavenly father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who've sinned against us or as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to, to, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their face, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who's in secret will reward you. All right, I want to, before we get into Willard here, I want to draw our attention to what was Jesus' refrain in chapter 6. Do not be like these people who do it to be seen by others. For I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you do this, go in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's the driving thrust of this passage in, in Matthew 6. So let's move on to Willard. Yeah, so just, just a few thoughts before we get directly into Willard. Because that is the driving force, this seen by others, Willard draws this thread through the section on prayer, the section on fasting, and the section on wealth and giving alms and being generous however you want to label that and 
he he sees this all about well at least partially reputation and building up image mm -hmm. right and so that's the that's the thread he's drawing through and he's doing that based on that repeated refrain that you just pointed out luke um <clears throat> so he breaks the um the chapter into two sections one's on reputation one's on wealth we'll get into wealth a little bit later today we're going to focus on prayer and then probably the next episode fasting but first a little bit from willard on that initial thread that he draws so this is in his section the respectability trap um, which is the first major section in his um <clears throat> in chapter six and i'll wait for you to get that page there we go are you going to read uh directly read? below that so one one page okay. over yeah <clears throat> he says desire for religious respect or reputation will immediately drag us into the rightness of the scribes and Pharisees as referenced in our previous conversations. Because that desire always focuses entirely upon vis visible action, not on the source of action in the heart. The scribes and Pharisees, Jesus pointed out, do everything they do with the aim of being noticed by others. They enlarge the religious symbols of their clothing they wear big brand labels. They like to have the most prominent seats at dinners and in the synagogues. Or, you know, $3,000 Yeezys. Yeah. Or sit in the, the, the head of the table at a large banquet. They relish loudly respectful greetings in malls and public places. And they love to be called professor or doctor and this is a reference to jesus towards the end of the gospel of matthew when he says do not be called teacher for you have one teacher who is in heaven is referent referencing him right um jumping down skip skipping a paragraph the children of the kingdom by contrast are to have none of all of this don't seek to be called professor or doctor, Jesus says. For you have only one teacher, and all of you are students. And call no one on earth father, for you have only one father, the one in the heavens. Also, do not be called leader. The anointed one is your leader. And it is not the leaders, it is not the leaders, but the servants who are the greatest among you. And so Jesus, in this section and in, towards the end of Matthew and in this section, the Sermon on the Mount, he is highlighting the temptation to conjure up an image of yourself, to do things in order to be seen by others and to have others have a perception of you that is beneficial to you. And in reading this chapter, I've been very convicted, honestly. Yeah. Because there are so many ways that our culture 
lends itself towards that. And wanting to have a certain kind of career, wanting to, to have a certain kind of job to be successful. And you can justify all of these things as I want to do it for the kingdom of God. But one of the things that I've become very convicted of recently is aiming at other things for the sake of the kingdom of God means you're not actually going to accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. All your efforts will be tainted. And so um, that's an Augustinian principle. And I think that's pretty evident in Willard as well. Uh, and so we shouldn't seek, I think, to put ourselves up on a pedestal in an effort to do good things. We should do good things no matter where we are. And if we do that, then we're truly a part of the kingdom of God. And that is, I think, what, what Willard is saying. So um, any thoughts on that before I hit the next section? I just want to, uh, I'm going to throw this in here and we can see if this works with this idea. I think there's a flip side to this that uh, we see a lot and we weirdly see in our evangelical culture where people will be like, oh yeah, but I'm not really doing anything. It's not that important. When like they could mm -hmm. be doing something very important. Yeah. And I think they're committing a different sin. They're just lying. Yeah. What's well, false humility? Right. Right. That abashed, oh no, it's nothing. It's a lie. Right. If Tim Mackey told you he's doing nothing, he's lying. If his work, if he said his work probably isn't that important, he's lying. And most of the time, that kind of lie comes because you want your ego fed. Right. Right. Because you want people to be like, oh, no, you're doing this, yeah. you're doing that. You have this many yeah. people watching, this many people reading, this many people tune in, yeah. all that. Yeah. So as we talk about this, I just want us to keep in mind there is the equal and opposite sin that we can commit. That is, you do it, you say something to act like you don't want to be seen, but really, you yeah. want to be seen. Yeah. Well, and so this the is why I, I make, this is why I make no bones about like, look, I want to grow the channel. I want to like yeah. get more listeners. I want to, I want to be, I want to spread this to more people. Yeah. I'm not there. There are certain motivations for that, but like when people ask me about it, I'm not like, Oh yeah, I just, I'm not taking it too. Like I take this very seriously. It's like to say that I don't to say that I don't care about those things. It would yeah. be a lie. Yeah. Well, also to, to obscure the truth in that way would mean that you're more likely to deceive yourself into thinking that your motives are more pure or more righteous than they right. actually are. Right. And that I think is the thing I was trying to say earlier, right? 
is when you do things not explicitly and directly aimed at furthering the kingdom of God, and you do something for a mixed motive reason, especially if you're deceiving yourself about that mixed motive, you're more likely to do awful things in order to achieve that goal. I think. Right. I think the Holocaust is a good example of that. But anyway, so not to belabor this point anymore. Um, <clears throat> a few, so a uh, few paragraphs into the next section of Willard. Um, he's gone on to talk a little bit about righteousness, which has been a consistent theme for him. And he notes about this new commandment in quotes that we've been given to not do things before others. He says, um, which page is this? Uh, starting there and it'll be on the next one too. So the last line, two things should be noted immediately. First, the teaching is not that we should hide our good deeds. There's another passage, I believe it's in Matthew, where Jesus said, yeah, I think it's even in the Sermon on the Mount. You should be city on a hill, a city on a hill that your good deeds can shine before humanity, that they may glorify your father in heaven. So that doesn't seem to, if we take it super literally, that doesn't seem to line up well with this. So Jesus' point must be something different. So I'll, I'll start again. First, the teaching is not that we should hide our good deeds. That might be appropriate in some cases, but it is not Jesus' point. There is nothing inherently wrong with their being known. Just as in the case of adultery in the heart, the issue here is one of intents and purposes. Not did we look at someone and sexually desire them, as we have seen. So this is a section in Willard he's referencing that we haven't read or we haven't really taught from. But his point is, it's not about something happening inherent in, or like as a natural reaction to what's going on. It's, are we seeking out to be seen? Are we seeking out to desire sexually the wrong person? Not did we look at someone and sexually desire them as we have seen, but did we look at someone in order to sexually desire them? And now, not are we seen doing a good deed, but are we doing a good deed in order to be seen? In any case, where we use on ourselves, where we use on ourselves or others promised recognition as a motive for doing what should be done for its own sake, we are preempting God's role in our life. Second, our intent is determined by what we want and expect from our actions. And this is where self-honesty is crucial. Because it's really hard, I think, to understand what it is sometimes that we really do want. We have a lot of motivations that we don't take the time to sit with and sift through. When we do good deeds to be seen by human beings, 
That is because we are looking for this for, um, sorry, that is because what we are looking for is something that comes from human beings. I'll read that again. When we do good deeds to be seen by human beings, that is because what we are looking for is something that comes from human beings. God responds to our expectations accordingly. When we want human approval and esteem and do what we do for the sake of it, God courteously stands aside because by our wish, it does not concern him. Hmm. Yikes. Willard makes this point consistently throughout the chapter that when, when we receive the Jesus's refrain, one of, one of his refrains in this section is, they surely have received their reward. His point is, the, the reward of the human admiration that you seek when you do things to be seen is the only reward you get. Because God says, okay, you want the human admiration? Fine, have it. Mm -hmm. I'm not a part of this because you clearly don't want me to be. And it separates us and our actions from those that do truly bring the kingdom of God. Thoughts? Not at the moment. <clears throat> so a few things, a few more things on this, and this is all kind of still setting the stage for his, his major point. Um, page 213, um, there's a small section that I want to read, just to reiterate a point. Um, yeah, can you go back one page? Yes, perfect. That middle paragraph. So, but we must never forget that Jesus points beyond actions to the source of action and character. This is a general principle that governs all he says. The kind of people who have been so transformed by, his, by their daily walk with God that good deeds naturally flow from their character is precisely the kind of people whose left hand would not notice what their right hand is doing. As for example, when driving one's own car or speaking one's own native language. What they do, they do naturally, often automatically, simply because of what they are passively and internally. His point is, you don't pay attention to driving your car sometimes. And so when things, when you're doing actions out of your being, who you naturally are being transformed into the kingdom of God, your, your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing precisely because it's natural. It's not that you need to deceive yourself. It's not that you need to deceive others or purposefully hide things from others. It's that you just need to be and do naturally right. 
what is the kingdom of God. And I'm sure that you, you, Daniel, or you, listener, have been around people like that. I, one of the, the, the pastor who leads my, my small group, um, we've been, we've been trying to work out, we've been reading through Luke and we've been trying to work out how do we, in a very practical, practical in terms of helpful, but practical in terms of what can we actually do that's helpful for, uh, for those that are dispossessed in our community for the, is, and especially here in Springfield, it's for the homeless community. There's a large homeless population here as there are in many cities. Um, and so uh, he met a woman um, last week. She isn't necessarily homeless at the moment, but she's going through a, a very, very tough uh, situation in her marriage. Um, uh, seems to be an evil, vindictive husband who's trying to divorce her. And she's living with a friend. She has to take care of their young child. And my pastor just said, I want to see how our group can help her out. It was like the first thing he said to me yesterday, morning, Sunday morning. Because we as a group have cultivated a practice of watching for these things. It's not because he wants, I mean, I don't think he cares me saying this, but like, it's not that I would tell the like 150 people who are going to hear this about the, the thing he did. He didn't even announce it to the church of like 20 people that were there, right? He just said it to me and a few friends. But this is cultivating the kind of person that would naturally do these things. It doesn't always have to be almsgiving, but the point is that he's not, he is desiring to fulfill God's law, but he's not doing it to be seen. He's not doing it to gain God's approval. He's doing it because he has become the kind of person that would do that anyway. And I have more examples of more friends doing similar things. But the point is that this is the this is at least part of the goal for, for Jesus here in the sermon. Is that you become the tree that bears good fruit. So and you do so as a natural byproduct of who you are. Right. So now we get specifically to prayer. So his section that's right after the paragraph I just read. Um, and when you pray, mm -hmm. I'm going to read probably the first few paragraphs of that. And then we can um, wrap up the discussion of prayer. Because all, all of this, this applies to both prayer and fasting and giving. But in Willard's framing of it, He's, he starts off this conversation with prayer. And we'll spend more time on prayer in the next chapter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot more time on prayer because the whole next chapter is about prayer. Um, so <clears throat> he says, similarly, the hypocrites pray in order to be seen by others. But as hypocrites, in the very meaning of the term, they are not what they seem to be. 
They seem to the onlookers to be devout before God, but they are interested only in making an impression on people. They stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Matthew 6, 5. They may or may not think that God too is impressed, but, it, but that is not essential. What is essential is that they be seen. And guess what? They are seen by others. That is their re the reward they wanted. They got it. The entire operation lay within the range of human competence. Because they had not involved God in what they were doing, he does not intrude on their project. They are at that level of pharisaical righteousness, which never enters the kingdom. Again, the ego swells and the soul shivers. Willard, a little bit further down, bottom of the next paragraph, he says, <clears throat> talking about the children of the kingdom. There they pray to their father, who not only sees in secret, but Jesus here says is in secret. This is very significant. The secret place is where God is. There we stand under the shadow of the Almighty, Psalm 91. <clears throat> the point being here is that when we pray, it doesn't matter if there are people looking or not. The intention, the motivation needs to be directed towards God. I can think of many times in my life as a Christian and in, my, and in my ministerial capacities that I've had in the past where I prayed, maybe not to be seen, but the way I prayed was definitely informed because I knew I was being seen. Hmm. And I think that's just as just as improper. Or, I mean, I grew up Pentecostal, right? The hands raise at just the right time when the chorus hits or that bridge is climaxing just perfectly, right? It's a performance. And there's nothing wrong about there being good music and being moved by it. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, are you in the secret place with God, even amongst people or not? That's the question. And I think one of the... Or is your hand raising your, your tears, your utterance in tongues to be seen by those around you as spiritual? And there's nothing wrong with those things, right? Jesus wants us to give to the poor. He wants us to pray to our Father in heaven. He tells us to in this passage that we just read. 
But the question isn't, are you praying or are you praying right? It's why are you? Hmm. And I think many, many people in the church, their honest answer is the hypocrite's answer. And we think of the hypocrite as saying one thing and doing another. But I think Willard here is saying the hypocrite says and does exactly the same thing. It's their intentions that are off. They say and do, they do what they say and they say what they do. But their heart isn't in their saying or their doing. It's in a secret motive behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's important. So, and this, this is what could be seen as a throwaway line from Willard. You don't have to pull it up because it's just one sentence. Um, towards the end of the section that I was just reading, he says, referring to Jesus, he teaches us how to be in prayer, what we are in life and how to be in life, what we are in prayer. And what he means by that is the exact opposite of what I was just saying, right? The, the purpose is to be congruent. Let your behind the scenes motive be what you're saying and doing. Right. Let it all be oriented properly. That's the person who's residing in the kingdom of God. So the, the ending section, the, the ending paragraphs of two ending paragraphs of the section where Willard closes, closes his discussion of prayer, he says this. Readers who have understood what has been said thus far will not be lulled into thinking that in his teaching on prayer, Jesus is giving a law that forbids praying in public or that requires one to pray only with the words he gives in the, mo in the model prayer, that is the Lord's prayer and so forth. Giving the prevailing misunderstanding, however, we cannot say too often that the Sermon on the Mount that in the Sermon on the Mount, we are not looking at laws, but at a life. A life in which the genuine laws of God eventually become naturally fulfilled. Similarly, nothing he is teaching, uh, nothing he is teaching rules out the use of written prayers or liturgy. Right? That's something that often gets thrown around, especially in uh, more low church circles, right? Jesus is forbidding the use of writing things out and structure, structuring things. You can be just as man-pleasing and fleshly in extemporaneous and informal religious exercise, what I was just talking about, as in the pre-established informal ones, perhaps even more so, especially if you are proud of being informal. Mm. So to my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, be careful. And to all of those who pray before people, be careful. All right, let's end it there. That's good. <laughs>